to dismiss our Sabbath school classes. Middle class only. Middle class only. At this time, we're going to have our sermon for today by our pastor, Steve Andrews. He's going to bring us the good news. Greeting, brethren. I would like to, first of all, thank and acknowledge the praise and worship team giving a, raise, a, a round of applause. I, they have worked together for quite a while, and it seems like every time they get up, it just seems like it's getting, uh, they're just harmonizing, and it's just beautiful, and I'm really thankful. And the other thing I want to, even though I'm on this committee, I'm not a very good organizer, and uh, when you saw what we first came out with um, and how many different points and all the things um, and the, the uh, committee's been working diligently putting different um, parts together of this and I'm very thankful uh, that they've been working on it and, and I, I, I want to thank them for all the work they've been doing and the things that, um, that we will be doing and, and plan on doing. I think, um, and also I want to thank all of you for your input. That has been really good. Appreciate it very much. Um, I'm a, um, as I've said before many times, I'm a news hound. <laughs> I, in fact, sometimes I get caught at work perusing the news. Um, and a lot of it has been very, very bad news. <laughs> to say the least, we seem to um, relish in the bad news. Uh, Orlando and the killings there, a poor little child that was drugged into the, uh, the, the Disney area. Uh, that was very, very sad. Um, and then you open up uh, something locally and you find out a young woman, not very, she didn't look very old, who uh, decided to um, stab to death her fiance and run over him so many things that are so sad in this society that we live in today. And it is, um, it's just so very, very tragic. And yet I know that that is a part of the life that we have. I mean, I've been, I'm, this is, I'm now 68 years old. I guess I'll just uh, uh, spill the beans about my age. <laughs> and I have, I have been around for a very long time and witnessed a lot of things. I'm maybe not as many as some of the older ones here, but I still have seen so much that has happened in this society and the world that we live in. It is like things just change so quickly. Um, I was wondering when Britain would get tired of the EU, and they finally did, and they separated. And it'll be interesting to find out what's happen, what'll happen in the world. I have no idea how that will turn out and the markets and all of that. But I, years ago, we, there were several of us that thought maybe that that was going to happen eventually, that they would be, eventually get tired of being a part of the European Union. Um, and what it does to them financially and different things, I don't know. But anyway, my message today is the good news not the bad news. We have enough of the bad news. The Bible is filled with also bad news, but it's filled with the good news. And in fact, we're commanded to preach the good news. 
Jesus said, preach the good news. Matthew, the 24th chapter, and verse 14, if you'll put it up there. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So, the end hasn't come yet. The nations are still there. So we, all around the world, anyone that reads these words and is a preacher or a teacher or anything, they're commanded by Jesus to preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. They are commanded to do that. We know the fulfillment of that kingdom, but it hasn't happened yet. Let's look at Isaiah, the second chapter. I think it's important to see the fulfillment of it, but realizing that it's not here yet. It has not come. We have not seen these things happen in the world. So we must continue to preach the kingdom of God. It says, and there shall come in a pass, in verse 2, in the last days that mountain of the Lord house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. We haven't seen the Lord take sovereignty over all the nations. We're all individual nations. And then, uh, you know, some are trying to take over other worlds and other nations and different things and want to be world, uh, want to have world domination. Only God will have that sovereignty over all people. Many people shall go and say, Come you and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths out of Zion. Shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We have not seen the kingdom established in Jerusalem, even though the, the, the Jewish nation is there, and they have, a, um, they have many uh, devout Jews in that in that nation and many Christians and many things, we still have not seen the kingdom of God established in Jerusalem with all the law going out. There's a great deal of confusion about God's word and, and the truth. And we know that that has not been established. We know this four, verse 4 has not been established. And he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people, and they shall bear their swords into plowshares. Uh, beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We know <laughs> that there's still uh, many nations that would love to go to war, that would love to defeat the United States, to take over all of the world. There are nations who would uh, probably in a heartbeat destroy their enemies. And so we just uh, understand that that has not happened yet. So we're in a situation in which the gospel needs to be preached. The good news needs to be preached so that individuals can come to this way of life. Individuals can come in to this truth. Individuals can have the hope of the kingdom of God, of eternal life. It starts with repentance, doesn't it? The whole world needs repentance. The whole world needs to accept Jesus Christ. The whole world needs to repent. This nation that we live in is becoming morally and more and more morally corrupt and needs to repent. Jesus, one of the first things Jesus began to preach, and we'll look at that in Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 17. If, uh, yeah. From that time, 
Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember, the focus that Jesus had was on the kingdom of God. That was the gospel message. The good news was the kingdom of God that was going to be set up on this earth. It was an important message that Jesus gave his life for. And one of these days will come and establish that. But repentance is the, is the beginning. Repentance in an individual's life is that beginning. Let's look at Matthew, the third chapter. Just a little bit, a few more verses here, so I won't read that off of the, uh, of the backboard. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent you, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He had the same message that Christ was, was to bring. He had that same message, and he was out there, and he wasn't dressed you know, in his finest. He had the camel hair, and he was, he was eating wild uh, honey and, and wild locusts and different, different things, and he, he probably looked a little strange. But he was preaching the kingdom of God. He had a powerful message. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when they saw, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. His message was repentance. These leaders were not repenting. And he was very forceful about it. The kingdom of God. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. God can reach out to others and bring them along. And now also the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which brings forth not good fruit is is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat in the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. He was preaching not only repentance at that time, but he was preaching the kingdom of God, and he was preaching what we would call hellfire. <laughs> I, I can imagine John, and the powerful message that he was, was bringing, maybe standing in the water, come, come, be baptized, repent of your sins, and yet at the same time, preaching against those who were against his message, and eventually would you know, he would uh, lose out and Jesus would take, take over and preach that kingdom of God message and continue that message on. 
But he was preaching about the kingdom of God. Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him and said, I have need to be baptized of you and come you to me. Jesus answered and said to him, Allow it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. I imagine that was a tremendously uh, moving time in which John finally saw the Savior coming and his fulfillment, and he was able to baptize and be baptized. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up immediately out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened to him and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so we, we see the powerful message right there at the beginning when Jesus' life began to preach, and, and John was preaching the kingdom of God and repentance. In Luke, the fourth chapter, we find the same Thing. Jesus, and we, I read this not too long ago, but I think it's very important to understand. Jesus went to his own people, and he revealed himself, and they rejected him. And here's what he revealed in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus walked around and preached and taught, and crowds came and heard what he had to say. And he preached the kingdom of God and the coming kingdom of God. And he preached to any who would listen. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable leer of the Lord. He was preaching the coming kingdom of God. With that, we understand, because we just came through the time of, the, of um, Pentecost and the receiving of that Holy Spirit, we understand how important that Holy Spirit was. With that repentance comes that gift. If we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that gift of the Holy Spirit comes, and we understand that. If, if you put up Acts 2.38 for me, Brian. Peter said unto them, Repent. So the message is consistent. Jesus' message was consistent. John's message was consistent. Our message must also be consistent as we preach the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. It also must be consistent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. So we must preach baptism, Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And they must understand what sin is. Sin is the transgression of the law. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. We must under, they must understand through the preaching that there is a lack of repentance. There is sin in the world. There are sin in our lives. And then we also must understand that we all must continue to repent because we all sin and come short of that, don't we? That's part of the gospel message. That's part of the good news. That God continues to forgive sins. God continues to wash away those sins when we come to Him and say, Father, please, I have sinned. Forgive me. Uh, I have made that mistake. Please forgive me. 
John, the sixth chapter, verse 63, at the end of that, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that's so very important. People must understand that at that time that you receive baptism and you have repented of your sins and you come up and you're and we lay hands on you, you must believe that that spirit is given to you. It is a gift that is given and do not deny it. It is the spirit that quickens. This is another thing that's so very important. And it's another thing that we must be preaching. We must help people to understand. It is that spirit that's, that dwells within us that makes us alive. That will make us alive at that day. Whether we die and are resurrected or whether Christ returns and we are changed in the twinkling of an eye. It is that spirit that dwells within us. It is the spirit that quickens, it says. The flesh profits nothing. It gets us from day to day. It, it provides, you know, we get sustenance. But it's the spiritual things that we learn. It's the spiritual life that we, we inculcate in our, in, our, uh, in our being. Those are the important things. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So as we read the words of Jesus, we know that that's a spiritual thing that he was handing out, that he was giving vital news, good news for every human being who comes to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It is so vital that we, we take that in and we understand that that spirit directs and guides and helps us and that Jesus is talking to us whenever we read his words, whenever they're a part of our life. We under, have to understand that. We also know that we have a special calling. There's a lot of people out there. There's millions and billions of people out there. And it just seems like there's so few that really understand the things that are, that are in, this word, in this word. In 2 Timothy, beginning in, in, uh, in chapter 1, uh, these words here, we come to understand them. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. So when we receive that Holy Spirit, we have to understand that it's not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be you partakers of the, of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, sometimes there is um, conflict and, and things that happen. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. We have to understand and we have to um, be able to articulate the love that God has for his creation through the, his son Jesus and his, his sacrifice and the life that he lives today and the spirit that he gives to those that, that come to him. We must help others to understand this. We must help them to understand this is the good news. This is part of the gospel. This is so wonderful. You know, the kingdom of God is going to be so full of love and concern for one another, but we need it today. In verse 10 it says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
through the good news. All of these things that we talk about, that we reach out to others and those that might be listening on our um, uh, tele, um, internet uh, broadcast, need to understand that this is the good news of the things that we're, we're preaching and teaching, and we need to continue to preach those things. Well, as we live in this life, and I think uh, some of us who have gone through that time in which uh, there was um, some idea that we were going to go to Petra <laughs> and live in the rocks for a while, and we understand that we didn't really understand those prophecies all that well, and that there was much more time that God was going to call more people. And that's for God to decide, you know. That his timeline is not our timeline. And sometimes when we try to, to manipulate the prophecies to, to put it into our own, own fashion, we, we kind of lose out. We kind of lose the, that, that understanding. And so we must always stay prepared. We don't know when Christ will return. But we must be prepared for that eventuality. We must have the Spirit in us so that we're ready. Jesus gave us a parable. And you can look at it in so many different ways. And it's in Matthew, the 20, 25th chapter, beginning in verse 1. In about <laughs> the, the ten virgins. But part of it is, some of them weren't prepared. They, they, were, not, they were not keeping up. They were allowing themselves to, to just drift. And so consequently, whatever was in their lamp that they needed, whether it was a spirit or whatever that equates to, they had lost it. And so, ten ver so five of the ten virgins were not ready. Let's read this. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. How important was it for them to be ready? They had to be ready. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They were ready. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. It's not that they were going out. That's not that they even had any in. They had already gone out. They had become totally, um, I don't even know what the word, just empty. They were just empty. Whatever the, the, the depth of the meaning is, they had become totally empty. But the wise answered saying, not so. Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you, rather, to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him in the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, upon us, open to us, and he answered and said, Verily I say to you, I, I don't know you. That's a very difficult parable, isn't it? For Jesus to say, 
that there are going to be some that are going to be knocking and they're going to be crying and they're going to be saying, Lord, Lord, open it up. I want to come in. And he's going to say, hey, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. So that's what I say. You've got to be prepared. Along with the repentance, along with that, that um, special calling that we have, you can never give up. You can never set this, oh, I, I can just kind of slide along, slide along, nothing's going to happen to me, I'm going to make it. We always must be prepared. And here's what Paul says about that. We're very familiar with this, but it's, it's an important part of our Christian walk that we understand the armor that we're given or that we have the, uh, <laughs> we have the opportunity to put on. We can put this armor on and we can be prepared. Because it's, a, it's an armor that we can put on anytime, all the time. He said, finally, brother, in verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, probably everybody knows this one by heart, because we do read this quite a bit, but I think it's important that we, 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 we understand the depth of what Paul is, is trying to get at. If you're not prepared, Satan is going to get to you. And if Satan gets to you and the world gets to you, you're liable to be like the five foolish virgins and just slide along and finally it's just going to, you're going to not, either going to fall away or Christ is going to say, I don't know you. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So here Paul says there's, a, there's an armor that can give us so much power that the devil can't even pierce it or get into it or get, get away from him. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weaknesses, wick, wickedness in high places. He said, Wherefore take you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. It's kind of like those five wise virgins. They were ready. They were prepared. This is a battle. We have the armor. We're ready for the battle. We're ready for whatever might come. We're ready for that day. If Satan comes after us and we must sacrifice or we must battle to the end, we are going to be ready because we've got the armor on. We are, we're standing with that armor. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt with truth. And of course, all that armor is found in this book. It's a, it's a powerful armor uh, a book. It's a, it's a powerful armor that, that is found in this book. So, so you have truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's, it, is a, it is a gospel. It is a good news of peace coming to the earth. It, and it's a shame that man has to fight with one another. And even in, in sometimes even in families, there's, there's fighting and, and brawling and, and hatred and different things. And it's, it's a shame because God has given us a way to understand that there is a good news, a gospel of peace, gospel of good news, of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He uses all kinds of techniques and artillery and um, shenanigans and stuff to get us to fall away. 
And we know that. Take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And he says, for me, that utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And for all those that preach and teach, the, the gospel message must be preached. Take the opportunity. Preach the gospel message. Come and let others hear the gospel message, the good news of the kingdom of God. We can't preach it enough. The next part is to endure to the end, brethren. Sometimes we come into some trials and tribulations that are just so, so very, very difficult. And they're just, you know, sometimes they're, they're very hard to get through. Matthew 24, verse 13, he says, But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. That indicates that there's sometimes a great struggle that, that must go on. Sometimes we battle not just against Satan, but sometimes we battle against our own physical um, in, um, inadequacies, uh, physical diseases. Um, sometimes it's uh, um, a battle against uh, even the, the ones that, are, uh, close to, that we're close to in our own family. And, and sometimes that's, that's difficult that we have, have those things that happen. But there's something that we must do. We must always be prepared with the gospel, the good news, that peaceful gospel. And we must always be able to help others to be peaceful in that gospel. And sometimes it's difficult to do that. James says this in James 1, beginning in, in, uh, in verse, uh, verse 1. James 1 and verse 1. He says, As James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, say, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptation, diverse temptations, or various trials. Sometimes, oh, well, you know, I'll never have any trials, and yet, oh boy, um, as soon as uh, you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and um, you, you walk in this way, there are trials that come along. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. The trying of your faith works patience. Sometimes when we're right in the middle of a trial, when we're, right, when we're struggling with that trial, we don't have a lot of patience, and we need to pray a lot that God will give us that patience to get through it. He said, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That you may be perfect and wanting nothing. Perfect and entire, that is complete and lacking nothing. And so the, the trial, the temptations, the tests that we go through actually develop patience in our life, in which then we can, we can help others if, if they're going through a struggle in their life, and they can, we can help them. Also in First Peter, and, and beginning in uh, verse 7, he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, that it would be tried with fire, might be found 
to praise and honor, glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Isn't that, isn't that profound? Isn't that profound of what he's saying there? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. We, we, can, we can own a little lot. We can have a lot of money and a lot of things. But when it comes right down to it, just like Jesus said, uh, it is that spirit that quickens, that spirit that dwells within us, the faith that we have, the, 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 um, the understanding of God's word that are important and more precious than gold. Someday, it's going to happen in the world that they're going to throw the gold and the silver in the street, and it's going to be worth nothing. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you hold on to, that preciousness of the faith that you're building. And those trials... Um, Sometimes are hard, but they will, they will build strong character. Though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love, and whom, through, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come to you and I. The grace that should come to you and I. It's come down to the ages to us. And all of those ages, all of those ones that these words have been preached to down through the ages, we are preaching it still. Preaching the kingdom of God and the coming kingdom, the good news of that coming kingdom. And it will come. And it will be here someday. In chapter 4, in chapter 4 we have another thing by, by Peter. Beginning in verse 12. Beloved, think not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened.